Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I'm your host, Dallas. I'm Alexis. And I'm Anne. And today we are joined by none other than... Evan Von Doom. And I'm looking for a girl in a short skirt and a long jacket. Oh, aren't we all... Welcome back to the Boys, Boys, Boys Comics Collective episode, where we are reading none other than Jonathan Hickman's Boys, Boys, Boys Avengers run and the final arc. We've done it. We started in January with his Fantastic Four, and we're ending here with Avengers finale next month, Secret Wars. This is the Time Runs Out story arc. Buckle in care about some boys and their emotions let's get it rolling i want us to talk about our feelings about this arc i want to start positive so i'm gonna have evan go first and then we're gonna go negative sandwich we're gonna go alexis and Anne. i don't know what they're gonna say i know it's gonna be negative and then we're gonna go to me it's gonna be positive that's how we're gonna give you this here avengers knuckle sandwich Turn it on over to you, Evan. The worst Thank you, fellow you. boy. We are rocking here <laughs> in the Avengers timeout arc because this is a boys, boys, boys podcast. Boys, boys, boys. Look at all these testosterones going on. Yeah, in baby. If you're reading oh. Avengers, you already know that there's a lot of girls in this that get to do dilly fucking squat, and this doesn't change at all this arc, and the boys are loving it. The boys are back in town. It is such a fun arc because the guys get to do everything. You know, we get stuff with Namor talking to Doom, talking to Kristoff. We, we get a whole issue of Hyperion just feeling sad and then better by the end of it. And it's probably one of the better single issues in the entire run. And then the boys get to do a lot of stuff. <laughs> you know, we get, a, I think it has like the best ending in terms of both new Avengers and Avengers get really cool endings where you get like this big reveal for Dr. Doom, which I'm not trying to spoil too much in the intro, I guess, even though we're going to be doing spoiler talks, everybody. So go pick up the uh, volume of uh, time runs out. If you haven't read it yet, um, we see a bunch of gods get killed. We get the actual villains revealed finally <laughs> after uh, 40 issues of buildup that we didn't even know was happening for a reveal. Um, everything comes to a head and I love, I do like this arc a lot. I probably love it. I would say love because I do love the ending mostly. I really like the, uh, full loop of everyone dies, everything di or everything lives then everything dies. And then there was two, what was it? Two men or two sides or something. Hold on. I can probably find it real quick here. Um, okay. Yeah. It started with two men. One was life and one was death. And that's how it also ends in this arc. We start with that at the end of the first issue and the end of the last issue of Avengers. We get that same line reading and now we get to actually decipher which of the two was life and which two was death or if it even matters because everything dies anyway. So I like this arc. I think there's a lot of them thematic resonance in it. I also think that when we don't get to do anything in it whatsoever and everything they do get to serve as the men's big moments. And I think that's a big flaw. And also we get a really, really great moment again with boys, Hyperion and Thor getting to like do like a big bromance moment. And I just love it. I love all the testosterone and dutiness that we got there. So boys for the win. Evan out. 
Alexis, talk to us about men. <laughs> Gross. But honestly, I feel like I'm 50-50 with this right now. I feel like I did like how it ended. I liked how it wrapped things up a little bit. But when I tell you, Evan, you weren't here when I said this before we started recording and I should have saved it. But as soon as Ant-Man opened his fucking mouth, my brain fuzzed out. That entire issue, don't couldn't tell you what happened. Could not tell you what happened. I don't give a damn what he was doing in the, in the universe. Nope. 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 There was a lot of cool pictures. I looked at all of them. Didn't read anything. Just kept swiping through it. But this, I feel like I might have got a little lost in the sauce this week. I feel like the jumping back and forth was a little too much for me. And my attention span on a holiday weekend and the week leading up to it just could not handle it. I feel like maybe if I were to revisit it, which I probably won't, um, I could possibly have a better opinion. But I feel like that's why I participate in this podcast, because the smart people get to tell me how to feel, um, which happens a lot with a lot of the things I read. So that's good. That's why you have smart friends, kids. Um, so buckle up with me and we're going to listen to everybody else's thoughts. <laughs> All right, Anne. Feel free to bring the hammer. <clears throat> I I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I've listen. I've we've been talking about Hickman for um, wow. Has it really been nine months now? That's insane. We have a Hickman baby, um, and that's that's crazy. So Still just like Smasher in that regard. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know why you think I would have thoughts on the women in this book because they're not here long enough for me to have thoughts on them. I. So I have nothing negative to say in that regard. Um, you know, it's <clears throat> it's fun. It's 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 cool. People punching each other. I'm like, <clears throat> it's it's interesting in a lot of ways. To, that this is the the capstone to the Hickman run, and it just all ends with a big to be continued. And it's <laughs> I think the most exciting thing about this part to me is just that that to be continued has been completely erased from my mind because i haven't read through secret wars since it came out so that experience is gonna be completely new but i the the ones that the one thing i'll definitely say about this section is it was i i i'm on the opposite end of the spectrum from lexi where this was entirely completely engaging to me i couldn't put it down um yeah it's all the you can you tell hickman has his favorite characters and the ones that he feels he actually has something to say with and when he uses them he actually uses them well and the drama is insane. This is what a much smarter version of Civil War would have looked like. And I think it's interesting in that respect. I think it's um, really cool to see the Cabal. Sorry. I think it's really cool to see the Cabal. The Cabal. The Cabal doing everything that um, the Illuminati were like dipping their toes into doing. And the Cabal's just like, we'll do it for you. We're just going to rip the Band-Aid off. And... Um, <sighs> It, it's a lot of really interesting concepts that I almost wish had gone on for a bit longer because you, looking at this is like the climatic chapter of both the Avengers run and the new Avengers run. It feels like this has a lot to say on the new Avengers and the Illuminati and everything that was happening there, but not as much to say about the Avengers. And maybe it's because the Avengers was such a bigger book with such a larger cast of characters that it's, an impossible task i think to make that wrap up in a way that feels completely satisfying 
but I feel like it was definitely much more satisfying for one of those books than it was the other. So I actually have a question for Alexis, piggybacking off something you just said, Anne. Alexis, how did you feel about the Avengers portions of this? So not the Illuminati and what they have going on, like the Shi'ar coming to destroy Earth. And just now with hindsight, you've read all of Hickman's Avengers run. Ta-da! You've read one of the best Marvel runs of comics. I want you to think now the Avengers side of this. Captain America starts in Avengers through the end here. Did you like it? Did you feel like it was satisfying? And did the stakes feel real to you? I feel like... Uh, I want to say yes and no, because I feel like for me in this last little bit, the new Avengers was much more interesting. But I do like how we had the the worlds and like those people that they helped in the beginning of the story come back to kind of be like, oh, no this is the kind of the last big bad. Like that was really crazy. And I was like, oh my goodness, what would like, I couldn't, I like kind of couldn't wrap my mind around it. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, see, we were 10, 20 issues back. We were just helping all these people trying to get them from being saved, but from all the, um, the builders and all those guys. And I just feel like this, the Avengers run was so chuck full of just like, so many different things if that makes sense it probably doesn't make any sense but it was just it was a hefty boy (laughs) hefty boy and like they were like in the last couple of issues they were mentioning characters and people and the things that like had happened long long ago in my mind and I was like oh my gosh I read that like how many months ago and now they're coming back and it's just like I felt like it did really tie everything up into a nice little bow which I liked um but I just it just didn't speak to me as much as like the other half of the story. I feel like now at the end, like it was good, but I don't think that it was the greater part in my mind reading throughout. See, I my big takeaway from this section was that the first time I read this as it was coming out, I could not believe what was happening and I didn't know how they were going to get out of it. And I. I was so wrapped up in what the Avengers were doing more so than the new Avengers, which is crazy in hindsight, because I'm absolutely on the same page. Now the new Avengers is the interesting fun book and Avengers, not so much. And I think that that is in large part due to the fact that within the story and therefore how the story takes place, the Avengers are a distraction. Like in issue one, they tell us the Avengers are a distraction. Like, they're keeping everybody who could stop us busy, doing nothing. And you forget that as you're reading it, because the Avengers are an important group of characters. You think that they're important. You think what they're doing is going to be important. And then you get to issue 44, and you realize, like, none of this has mattered. Like None of what you guys have done mattered, except maybe Infinity mattered. But, like... It was all nothing. And at first, I thought that was a bug. But the more I thought about it over the last few days, it feels like a feature. It feels like the book itself is doing exactly what the characters in the book said was going to happen. That we're going to pull a magic trick here where we're going to distract you with this big flashy book over here. And then we're going to steal the whole Marvel Universe with this other hidden hand. 
And I'm so fascinated, Alexis, what you think when we finally get to reading Secret Wars, because reading this run again, post Secret Wars, especially time runs out. Everything that wasn't directly tied to Captain America and his beef with Reed Richards at first and then his beef with Tony Stark was immensely pointless to me because I was like, I know where this goes. I know that you fail. Like I know this book ends with big explosions and you lose. So like I cannot be invested in anything that you guys are doing outside of the personal stakes of these few characters and like what kind of men they're going to be amidst failure. Because, like, when Shang-Chi cloned himself a thousand times, I was like, that's dope as hell. Doesn't matter. The world ends. Like, you lose. I know you lose. And that's that's crazy. And so it really, really affected my read-through this time. And I wanted to hear from you about whether or not you felt like the Avengers had stakes and they were still exciting. You were enraptured. Because that was the feeling I remembered having that I didn't have this time. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that had that effect on me. I don't know if that landed. The, that makes a lot of sense. Like the um, the whole point of the Avengers run being like a little little trick. That makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I, I don't know if it's just my own personal likes within comics. But yeah, I just was I didn't really vibe with a lot of the stuff that was going on in the Avengers stories. <laughs> I also got to say, oh, you go, you go. Oh, I was just going to say, especially because they had so many characters to play with. And I feel like they used like four. That's <laughs> true. That's true. I, I'm going to bat this over to Evan, but I remember Doom showing up in this so much earlier than he does. Yes. But then once he I showed up. I laughed out loud at that part. I said, of course, of course it's him. Oh it's, my! That was the best part of the book. That was the best part of the run. Set. Always, motherfucking doom. <laughs> Always Are doom. you cackled? I cackled on There's, the couch. I was like, "This is the best." <laughs> it took me a long time to get it with Doom. I was always like, "What does this guy actually like?" He doesn't have a Magneto style power. I think I've said this on the podcast before. Like Magneto, you understand, like, oh, his his vibe is scary, but then also he has a power that is quantifiable and enormous. Okay, that is terrifying. Dr. Doom, as like larger than life scientist magician that also has like a Tony Stark style suit with like repulsor fingers. Uh, for some reason, I was always like, why is this guy the threat that he is? I don't get it. And then one day it just clicked where I was like, he just is. He just is. Like, you just got to accept that like this guy is smarter than everybody and he's. The smartest guy, he's the best at magic, and he's the best engineer. Yeah. He's all, everything that Stan Lee's characters were, all mashed up into one operatic baddie. <laughs> and it just, like, clicked one day. And ever since then, I can't not think about Victor Von Doom almost every day. Yeah. I think about that guy every day. He's, like, the greatest, it might have been greatest Marvel villain, period. Greatest comic book villain, probably. I would definitely say for me, a hundred percent. I could see someone arguing someone else. I don't know who you would argue. Um, there's other fun, like great villains, like my favorite Spider-Man villain, you know, Electro, miles and miles away from Doctor Doom. You could argue like Lex Luthor, I could see that, but even then, he doesn't have the magnitude of Doom. You could argue Brainiac, but 
ask anyone to name one Brainiac story, they'll fucking stutter until they just say Injustice 2 or something. Because they don't ca- they care about the idea of Brainiac. All right, Condiment King, actually, and that's a good point. And typed out Condiment King. I will shout that out. Condiment King is a legitimate threat. It's very scary. So fair enough. But I don't know, Dr. Doom, first you got the design, which is the first thing that everyone needs. Like just terrifying design, terrifying like ideas of like what he wants. And then he just like goes out and gets it. Whatever he wants, he's like, I'm the guy that does it. Like I don't just talk, I I take action. Just his presence is so cool. There's and never for me, been. especially oh sorry, I was gonna last thing. Uh, I my first Doctor Doom story was um probably uh Mark Wade's run. And that's like the scariest Doctor Doom you could fucking get for your first story. So that just lingers with him everywhere I go. There's no greater I'm him character than Doctor Doom. <laughs> like whatever else you got going in like dooms that guy if yeah. you're like oh man the whole universe is collapsing and all the smartest characters in the universe can't figure it out you know who fucking figured it out motherfucking doom yep. doom did it by himself by being a molecule man serial killer Yes. <laughs> that shit rules so hard. And also, John also, Hickman, I'm stealing that premise. Multiverse serial killer, <laughs> are you kidding me? I'm going to run with that. Thank you. Also, Jonathan Hickman stole that, too, from uh, Jet Li's The One. So Great. Then I can steal it a third Fair time. Game. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Outstanding. But, yeah, I think 100% the new Avengers book is just way better than the Avengers book. And I think it does go into... Because the idea does work. Avengers does feel like a just built buying time. And I definitely also thought New Avengers was just a better book when I first read it. And reading again, yeah, there's just so much going on that, especially at the end, it just feels like exposition or just kind of like filling in the gaps of what New Avengers could be saying. And I don't know. As soon as they started crossing over, I was like, I, I don't care about the Avengers book anymore. I really specifically care about New Avengers. With the exception of like the Hyperion issue which I still think is very great. And then like some of the end moments where everyone's fighting each other, but uh, it's just very hard to get invested. What did you all think of the time skip? And what did, we'll start with you. What do you think of skipping eight months ahead in the story? So we can have a tight countdown. I mean, it's, I I don't know. It's, I, I wasn't taken aback by it. I think the, the strangest thing is just, there's, there's so much happening in the other Marvel books at the time where it's, it takes you a second to catch up where you're like, oh yeah, Steve is old now and Tony's been Uno reversed. And um, it's, I, I think it's, it's nice to see the time skip because it's, it le- it builds that suspension. It makes you want to keep reading like, okay, how did we get here? What happened? I need to, I need to know. I need to know now. And when you're going to have, everything building up to her head and you're flipping back and forth between books, every single issue. I think that's a really smart strategy for the, you know, story, but I don't know. I think it's the part where <laughs> the rest of Marvel shenanigans catches up to him a little bit because like, you know, this is not like the ideal place that Hickman wanted. He is like, I'm sure he's been imagining this for years, the final showdown between Tony and Steve. And what does it say when, the um, subtext you've been subtly trying to build with Tony for for years and years quickly becomes actual text when Tony becomes an evil version of himself. And what does it say when you just you have this um, man who I guess it's also <laughs> adding text to Captain America? Where you're like, is this guy um, 
is this guy too old to get it? Is he out of place? Is he out of time? Yes, he's a grandpa now. Um, have have fun with that. You're going to have this old man with a cane beat this dude in a tin suit. Um, I feel like part of it takes a little bit of the weight out of the sails for what they've been building up this whole time. But also it's just, I don't know. I, I think the one moment where it actually worked in his favor was the the moment with Thor picking up the the hammer of Thor which is my favorite um which is my favorite way to spell a second character like you got to have a Luke and you got to have a Luke so like I I like Thor has two R's um and then when he's ready for that final heroic push and he tries to pick up the hammer that he can only pick up if he's unworthy he can't pick it up and he's he has that moment where he's like, well, of course, that that's how this would end. I thought that was the one moment where it's like a character's current situation actually gave him a moment to say something really interesting, unique about their character. But otherwise, it's just I felt like he was battling the Marvel Universe very literally trying to get the story wrapped up at the end. And I I don't know. It's seeing all these characters in different positions, I, I kind of would have liked it if I'd seen more of the Avengers actually flop over to, to Reed's side. It, I like the fact they formed into three factions where it's like the ones who are like, Cap's right, this is insane, you need to stop. The And then the other ones who are like, girls, girls, stop fighting, please, I'm begging you. But I don't keeping the lines as clear-cut and straight as they were and having the Illuminati only gain people like sue and um amadeus cho i I, I feel like they could have done more with that because you had eight whole months there had to have been some more subterfuge going on you know and you're talking earlier about like the avengers book feeling like pointless at this point because it's like we know it's a distraction and reading it the second time we know they're gonna lose so so what's the point i there was such a wasted opportunity there i think we like i've you know, I've gone on my soapbox so many times about how the women in this run are used. I think the characters that entire Avengers book are just wasted there by the end. I think Hyperion has his great moment with Thor, but you have all these characters who have been suddenly and very quickly betrayed by some of their best friends. And you find out their best friends been planning to kill worlds. And now there's a group of villains out there actually killing worlds. And it's all your friends fault because they didn't tell you. And the world is ending. And you're telling me that not a single one of these characters has a single thought about it besides like, hey, we should probably stop fighting. Let's let's break this up, guys. I There's someone on that team has to have a deeper thought about the world ending and other than Captain America. And we just don't get that. The entire universe is crumbling around them. And I feel like the only ones who care are the Illuminati. And I think that's the the other part that makes it seem like the Illuminati is the the more interesting book and the the book that feels like more compelling because the Avengers don't have shit to say. They're just they're here. They're here to lose. And I don't know. I think I think there's a missed opportunity there, but. I totally agree. Um, I need to get on my hater soapbox for a minute i thought outside of kev walker who is always brilliant always a genius the artwork in this section of this book was spotty and bad at Mm -hmm. times like it felt rushed and distracted there was no artistic direction at all like i understand 
the making of sausage that is comics. I understand the need for fill-in artists. I understand the need to create ensemble art teams. But for your flagship title, the biggest books coming out at this time to have such shoddy line work was distracting for me. Like every single book, every page that wasn't from Kev Walker, who again, Kev Walker does no wrong. Kev Walker's incredible. I'm so glad that Kev Walker was the one that got to draw Iron Man and Captain America beating the hell out of each other in their Dark Knight Returns swamp battle. And (laughs) that design for Captain America as the Dark Knight Returns Batman, that ruled. I loved that. But like every other issue was bad and looked bad and looked like. And it was just inconsistent, too. There's not even like, all right, we're going to create a class of artists that all have a similar style that we're going to pass back and forth. Like I've seen that happen before. And it wasn't even like, here's a superstar and here's a fill in because that superstar can't keep up a monthly pace, which I've seen before. Like this was like, Hey, here are four guys that you've never seen before. You don't even recognize their names. And Oh, here's why these pages are why you don't recognize their names. And I just, I was like taken back by how distracting the art was. And I, I mean, I can't do better. <laughs> like, I should add that as caveat. Like, I can't draw these any better. But I was shocked at the level of artwork present in these final issues. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah. It's it, inconsistent, I think, is the, the perfect word for it. Yeah, I think it's an accurate word. And I would say my one big criticism is I feel like the whole Avengers might be fascist. Um conversation that started this run kind of didn't come through as much as i thought it would mm-hmm. like there's hints at it like amadeus calls them uh a fascist at one point and i was like okay like they're hunting him down that feels very you know authoritarian and everything but i was also like but you all you guys also did war crimes so there's that <laughs> so that's a cool conversation to have and i thought that was leading somewhere mm-hmm. didn't really and then the only other time i was like oh yeah that's fascism is when they had like a remote controlled hulk that they use that they stole from the other evil Avengers. Then and, and they were criticized for using it. Now they're using this remote control Hulk. And Captain America even says, I could get used to having a remote control Hulk. And I was like, oh yeah, that's really strange thing to say, mm-hmm. Cap. Uh I feel like that's something you shouldn't be even be thinking as a character. I guess you just got pushed to that limit. Interesting conversation to have. Let's not bring that up ever again. And I feel like there was no other type of conversation about that. And maybe it's because there's so much going on. But I don't know. I feel like I thought that part of the Avengers world story would be more involved in the entire Avengers run. And I felt like it was very much pushed to the wayside in a way that I didn't find as interesting. You could argue that it was because Higman wanted the conversation that happened without his guidance, so to speak. But I also feel like he didn't set up any enough plot connecting to it to actually have that conversation. So... I don't know. It was just a weird, weird choice. A lot of weird choices in this last arc. I feel like that's emblematic of a lot of how I felt about these last few issues where it felt like I was being told that a story was happening instead of being told a story. Like I was being told that like, okay, Cap and his team have gone fascist. Okay, the Illuminati are like on the run trying to solve this at the last second. Okay, the Ultimate Universe is going to collapse into this. Like there was too much going on for the page space. And so instead of cutting one of these storylines and focusing on the others, we just got 
a like bullet point summation of all of them set to art. And I, I never felt like I had a footing in any of them other than the Illuminati, which we have touched on a lot. Like clearly we like Avengers. We like the Illuminati, but like all the other parts of this felt very bullet pointsy. Alexis, you agreed emphatically. Do you have something else to say? Well, that's just like the best like wording that my feelings could be Mm -hmm. put into. Like I didn't know how to say that, but that's exactly right. Like I felt like they're like, I was reading spark notes for this comic, but I was actually reading the comic. And if somebody wants to make spark notes for all of the things that I'm supposed to read, that'd be great. Thank you. But (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) Said that to get a reaction out of Dallas. Forgive me. But yeah, like it just, the thing that I want so much from these, and I know that I mentioned, I can't remember if I said it on air or before, but I really loved reading the Fantastic Four bunch of this because it was so full of storytelling like I loved what the characters were doing I loved how each of them had their own thing going on and they all like wove so beautifully together and I just feel like that got lost in the later issues of this of this Mm -hmm. story in this run and it was kind of a bummer I just felt like I just kind of felt very disconnected from it and I couldn't I couldn't get myself into it the way that I wanted to especially for it being the last of these stories if you will you know like we're done with the avengers bit now which yeah. is a bummer i'm like oh yeah some of these characters well, you basically never see again too mm-hmm. yeah. a big point. i i realized at some point through the avengers run when did we lose wolverine because i just remembered that he was part of it at the beginning but now he is not <laughs> he i forgot about that it, it, is that what happened Isn't are we that, at that uh, part yeah he charles soul he died in his own run during that okay because yeah. i wasn't sure if that was pre-secret wars or not yeah, I'm pretty sure it's pre-Secret Wars, and then post-Secret Wars, all new starts. Yes. Right? Also, yeah. that's a great miniseries. That whole say, series, yeah. leading up to the miniseries Death of Wolverine, Yeah, that rules. That whole thing. I yeah. read that as it was coming really out. Underrated. It rules. Yeah. And everyone skipped, a lot of people skipped Death of Wolverine because they're like, oh, another Death of Event. One of the better, mm-hmm. like a lot of, there's also like, full disclosure, there's a lot of great Death of Stories. We give it a hard time. Death of Captain Marvel? Death of Captain Marvel, Death of and Return of Superman, both great stories. Don't believe the haters when they say Return isn't as good. It is. Wait, um, who's saying that? Death I want to fight. <laughs> a lot of people will say that because they don't want to acknowledge that Death of Superman return. Like they want to acknowledge that Death of Superman like really screwed the comic market and comics to this day. While, but in the meantime, they're not like actually commenting on the quality of the stories, which is really good. Uh, mm-hmm. I love Death and Reign of Superman. Um, then you have like Death of Super uh, Spider Man, Ultimate Death of Spider Man, like great mm-hmm. stories. It can be told with Death of Stories, Death of Deadpool, which I know for a fact no one re- read because it came right after Death of Wolverine, which no one read. But Death of Deadpool is also very good. So go read some Death of Stories, people. I'm I'm a fake fan because I swear to every god out there that literally I did not hear about Death of Deadpool until this exact moment. Yeah, this I, is the yeah. first time I've heard of that story. So Death of Deadpool was just an arc at the end of I think Dugan's run of Deadpool okay. before Secret Wars. So it was built it was partly a joke of being like, ah, more death of stories, but it was also a really heartfelt story about Deadpool. 
And I hate to say it, or actually I don't mind saying it, Gary Dugan's Deadpool is phenomenal. It's it got very me funny. It's very That's good. It I got hear. Dallas in the comics. So maybe it's not as good as we think. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, some pros, some cons. But what the hell? It's a sudden strange. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's I love that one. I was reading as it's coming out, and it yeah, it was. It's the reason I love Deadpool. Well, actually, uh, Recommenders X Force three is I love Deadpool, but it's the reason I continue to love Deadpool. It's so good. Can we? I've been I've been really really critical of this run, but it's it's weird because like I the moment I finished last month's episode, like the reading for last month's episode, I kept reading into this because I wanted to, and I'm like I'm I've been thinking like listen, you have a lot of critiques about this run because this is like the third or fourth time you've run through this run and you've, you've, you've seen all the holes now. You 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 notice, you know what you wanted, you know what you didn't get. It's it's very obvious. So let's focus. I want, I was like trying to get myself like focus on what made you love this the first time you read it. And I think the best thing that this little section does that I absolutely adored was all the messy, messy high school drama. And by high school drama, I mean Black Panther stabbing Namor in the chest and saying "bye, bitch." <laughs> um, so good. It, the moments when this book, when this this part of the arc shines the best, are when things are messy. I love everything in the last issue between Cap and Iron Man. I love um, everything between Namor and Black Panther, and I love I love Kristoff telling um, Namor, "You fucked up. <laughs> this is really <laughs> dumb." Like, yeah. I, can't believe you thought this was a good idea. I don't care how hurt you were. Um, it's yeah. It was just every time you see these characters at each other's throats, you feel the stakes a bit because you're like, these are characters who would under no other circumstance be in this position. And you believe that everything is bad because they are ready to kill each other. And I think that's, incredible it it brings you it brings you down really really hard and it makes because it's like this is the the marvel universe that i love i love these characters and to see that this is how they're they're acting in their final days is both interesting but depressing and it sets that mood perfectly yeah i 100 agree i think the drama is always like the best part in comics and it's definitely the best part of this run i wish it would have been, I think, better if a lot of the Avengers stuff was focused on the drama, too. That would probably help. Because mm-hmm. New Avengers kind of takes the, the most of the drama. Like the Namor, Black Panther stuff. Even the Cabal meeting, like, the maker and the drama between, like, of that like uh, union happening. Or uh, <laughs> Namor, like, on his hands and knees crawling to Doctor Doom for help. And Doctor Doom just being like... Now I'm good. And then it got really bad when Kristoff is also like, yeah, good luck with your genocide. And everyone's just like, who the fuck is Kristoff? And so the fact that like there's nobody's getting to duck on Namor that only Hickman and I love, it's great. That's that's messy. And I think the Avengers story could have also been messier. Like we have Captain America the whole the whole time is like really, really mad about the Avengers uh, being like a big front. And we only get one interaction between him and Tony Stark. And only one interaction between him and the Illuminati. And it's supposed to be a build-up moment, so I understand that. But I don't think the payoff is very good for the Illuminati moment. And it definitely is great for the Iron Man moment. But it's literally the last issue. So between that, there's, what, a dozen issues of barely any drama? So, I don't know. I think the drama is the best part. And on the positive side, I, I do love 
love love the build up to uh the confrontation between black panther and namor and when shuri like gives him uh, t'challa the dagger and he's just like put this where it needs to go and he's like all right and he immediately understands that but we don't get it yet and then when he stabs namor we're like oh shit yeah that is where it needed to go and he deserved it <laughs> and then namor's just like yo that's all you got man you can't even kill me right he's like that's not gonna kill you black ball black ball's like yo what's up that's what he sounds like and then namor's like uh, that didn't kill me either then the planet blows up <laughs> it's like such a looney tune series of events i love it <laughs> i i love there's black bolt too because black bolt's final words are tell my brother maximus i said hi or whatever is that what he like, said he, he said give maximus my regards or something like that oh that's what i tried zooming in i could not read so far yeah. in to see that i was yeah. like please what is like, this tea yeah they're about to they're about to fuck his brother up too so i guess <laughs> he, he might as well no get regrets. in on the murder pact you know <laughs> I also, in the positivity for this run train, this mm-hmm. high concept is incredible. Like, mm-hmm. the death of the planets, the Illuminati trying to solve it, the Avengers trying to solve it in traditional means, but then everybody failing. Like, we haven't talked yet about this. They lose. Yeah. When was the last time they did that? And they stuck the ending where, like, Secret Wars, Alexis, you won't know this. <laughs> and newer fans won't know this. They stopped publishing Marvel comics after this for a whole summer. They just did the Secret Wars event and tie-ins to the Secret Wars event. They said that was the end of the Marvel Universe. It blew up. The end. Mm-hmm. And it hit like a train. As someone who was like a couple years into comics, I was completely blown away that they did that. That, like, these incursions weren't a joke. They weren't just a, like, something happening over in this random book. The universe ended. The end. Bye-bye. And you haven't read a lot of Ultimate Universe Lex, but that stuff with the Maker, the Reed Richards with the weird helmet, that's from the Ultimate Universe, which was a huge deal in the 2000s. Like, Ultimate Spider-Man is one of the best Spider-Man comics of all time. They ended Ultimate Universe as well with that. When Ultimate Universe in Secret Wars number one next week this last incursion, Ultimate Universe, our, our universe colliding into each other, that was the end of the Ultimate Universe, which had gone on for 10 years. Hmm. Like, that's awesome. That is awesome that they did that. Can you believe that they did that with this comic book? No. <laughs> that's it's crazy. Awesome. That's awesome. I, I remember watching the live stream of them announcing Secret Wars and what was happening. And I remember at the time, everyone's just like, wait, are they doing a new 52? Are they, they're rebooting, they're rebooting the Marvel Universe. This is insane. Yeah. And everyone was just losing their minds for like a solid three months. It was absolutely insane. It was incredible. And I know not to like get too ahead of ourselves, but Secret Wars rules. Yeah. Like this, I feel weird about now. At the time, I loved it. Yeah. And I think I might just be a little bit too in the weeds with this Avengers run at this point. <laughs> but like ultimately I love this Avengers run. I love the new Avengers. I love the Illuminati. I I loved Infinity. Like I think that is one of my most underrated favorite Marvel events of all time. And the image of Iron Man and Captain America beating the shit out of each other as the world ends has been seared into my mind forever. I forgot about the Sue Storm heel face turn in this. And so it got me again because 
her and Reed were on opposite sides in the original Civil War. And so I was like, oh, they're doing that again. And then they're like, no, they're not. Not this time. And I was like, love wins. Love wins. <laughs> that was straight people's love wins. And I I know Anne hated it. She tweeted about how she hated it. But I liked it. And that means I got people on my good. ass about how wrong I was about that. <laughs> and I just I don't know. Like, I had a lot of crap to talk about this run, but sitting right here at the end of it all, looking down the barrel of Secret Wars, which I maintain is the best mar- comic book event of all time, I can be nothing but happy. Yeah. Like, it's incredible. And Doctor Doom facing down the Beyonders after the Illuminati couldn't do it, after no one else could do it, and he just pulls up, having absorbed all the Molecule Men, and is like, and they're like, who is this one little idiot boy? And he's like the most important idiot boy. And the (laughs) destroys the multiverse. Like that's my guy. I'm the multiverse's special little boy. (laughs) He's him. Like Dr. Doom, Dr. Doom in that moment was like Michael Scott. And Michael Scott is like, sometimes to get perspective, I like to remember that I am just a little speck on this planet that is just a little speck in this galaxy that's just a little speck in this universe. And somewhere far, far away, there's an alien with a very powerful telescope, and he can see me, and he cares about my problems. (laughs) Like, that is Doctor Doom. (laughs) With the immensity of the universe, he wants you to understand that he is still the most important boy. Yeah. (laughs) I also think the one thing we're not considering also, and like we can't, we are critiquing this as a trade years after it came out. Um, and I think it's a fair criticism that we're having in this discussion. But also, I do think the hype was entirely different when it was coming out month to month. Like I was reading this month to month that was coming out. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And Top of my stack. Yeah. And I didn't know it was leading to Secret Wars until mm-hmm. it was said in the pages, like maybe two or three issues before. Um, the end it says like secret wars is coming and i was like wait what the hell then i looked it up i was like oh my god that's huge and so for me like it they did a time jump and i was like whoa like i'm reading some of these books like i know hulk is doc green but i didn't know you guys knew that and now we're beyond that book like what the hell are you talking about so like little things like that were happening and so then each month it's just coming out slowly leading up to something and you can feel it's about to end even though if you don't know where it's going so you're like, how is this going to end? Then it's like, Secret Wars is coming. Like the Beyonder reveal happens. It's like, Secret Wars is coming. I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> is that, am I supposed to know this is happening? So credit where it's due, Jonathan Hickman's marketing uh, background comes in full swing in this event because the hype was so, so real. He really understood how to like draw you into being like, what's going on? Oh, you understand it now? Just kidding. You do not get it. Here's Hank Pym. Yeah, that's right. Hey, goddamn, Pim's important again. Bring his ass over here. Then he's like, yeah, I'm not even important because the Beyonders in here. That's right. Bring the ass out here. But they're not important. Dr. Doom's Rabi Allah. So bring his ass out here. And no, he's not important. He is. Just kidding. And it ends. <laughs> so I, I, I think it's just rethinking of how I felt when I was reading this the first time. I, I still think it's phenomenal how it's done. I can't imagine what it must have felt like I can't imagine because I lived it, but just reliving it must, I can't, I, that'd be such a fun experience. Just going back and just living those months again. Do you damn, remember the, t- the time runs out header 
Yeah. Counting down, not knowing what it was counting down to. Terrifying. Like Alexis, they would say like time runs out in eight months. And then yeah. next month when you picked up Avengers, it was time runs out in seven months. And you're like, what do you, what do you mean? You're like, Jennifer wait, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean? That is how it felt <laughs> to read this book. And you get to time runs out in one month. And you have the big solicitation in your issue that says time runs out secret wars. And you just want to throw up. You're like, what? What do you mean? And you go to your comic store and you're like, they're like, all right, these are your books for this week. And it's, there's no Wolverine in there anymore. It's just secret <laughs> wars. And you're like, are comics, are comics over? Did they end comics? Because yeah. also, you got to remember, DC Comics sucked at this time. So this truly was the end of comics. So it was a pretty yeah, huge true. deal. Like you had Batman was a rabbit, which was cool, by the way. Super heavy rules. Yeah, but it was awesome. Other than that, nothing was happening. Not a single <laughs> thing. All right, Superman was in jeans again. That was nice. Okay, what else? Thank you. Yeah. No, that was it. Superman. <laughs> So Greg Pak, Superman ruled. Batman was in a good place. But like, boy, was it down abysmal over there. And so when Secret Wars happened, never did it feel better to be a Marvel fan because you're like, bye, bye, bye. Uh, and all the DC fans are looking at you through the chain link fans like DW. Like, what would it be like to have a good Marvel comic? And then Anne is raising her hand. Yes, DC fan. Omega Man was out at that time. I found it. I found the one. I found the good DC comic. Omega Man was happening. Right, well, I wasn't reading that, so. Oh, okay. Well, fine. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you shot her off her pedestal so fast. <laughs> I didn't read that. There's no, <laughs> no good books, and I instantly um, proved it wrong. So, um, bada yes. bing. Listen. Also, that was the last time we ever had a Black Canary book. So, you know what? Maybe we too. Maybe we judged it too harshly. True, but man, Alexis, I gotta know before we go into final thoughts and then listener questions. What are your predictions going into Secret Wars? Because you don't know. You don't know I what's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know anything. The world just ended. What do you yeah. think happens? With what is left on the table. Because Secret Wars is a continuation of this story. Yeah. So, well, like, I mean, open... you kind of mentioned the, the two universes, the two major ones. Yeah, you're so going to get the final. assuming we're getting more of the spooky read. You get one more final incursion mm. in issue one. Of the two actual storyline Marvel mm -hmm. universes that existed at that time. That's crazy. It That's is That's so crazy. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm mm -hmm. excited, though, because of how much you guys all keep talking about it this, on this episode. So I'm excited. I really don't know what to expect. Yeah. If I say the word battle world, does that bring anything to mind? Or just curious? I don't think so. I don't think it brought the right thing to mind. <laughs> no, I mean, like, what? It, it'll be What's the wrong thing it brought to mind? Yeah. One tell woman. us the wrong <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, anyone have any final thoughts? Not just about Time Runs Out, but about Jonathan Hickman's Avengers and New Avengers run. Wrap it all up, and then we'll do some listener questions. Got really mad that Shuri died off page. Oh, I know. <laughs> She that just showed so up. She's terrible. like, hey, I'm, I'm one of the ghosts now. Also, what happened? Uh, was I just like asleep? Did all of Wakanda get destroyed? Girl, yes. that happened like that two was volumes last... ago. Yeah, that was two was, episodes okay, ago. Okay, so that's 
It was you were, just on the crap list uh, at that well, point. Well, actually, no, you, I don't think episode. you're actually so crazy because at, like during the time jump, something else happens. There's some other evasion thing going on and it gets further like destroyed. I don't know exactly what it is, though. I don't remember. God, they just but kept. I had the same reaction being like, oh, was Wakanda destroyed? Like we kind of got attacked and fucked up. But mm-hmm. it was still standing. Like, sure, he was able to like run things, and there's yeah, people there alive was, like, and everything. Yeah, because there was like robots or something. Yeah, but like, now the around. whole everyone died in it. So I don't remember exactly what happened there, though. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and I that's why that. I think Jonathan Hickman is probably the best option for Ultimate Black Panther. <laughs> I love that um, Val was the one who came up with the idea for the lifeboat. I do like that. I also love that Dr. Doom, like little thing, Dr. Doom is an egomaniac. He thinks he's the smartest person in the room, but he also gets that other people are also smart and have ideas. And he's not afraid to like get those ideas or thoughts. And I think it's really cool that he respects some people. Like he respects Val very clear, clearly, but I also think he respects Molecule Man. And mm-hmm. yeah, um, mm-hmm. it seems like he has some respect for now the for thinker? Dr. Strange. Yo, the and thinker? thinker even. I was yeah, like, he hell yeah, the thinker. Crew. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I know what you're good at, and you should do that. But Malcolm Manny was like, you're above me, like in terms of like what you know, and I want to be above you, so I'm gonna hear you out and listen to you. And I think there's like even if he surpassed Molecule Man, that and I think he kind of by the end of this he does um, surpass Molecule Man or at least is equal to him. I think even then he still kind of sees him as like, you're now I understand where you're at. I have a lot of respect for you still. I think that's a side of Doctor Doom we don't get a lot because a lot of people like to focus on the egomaniac, uh, twirling mustache villainry of Doctor Doom, which Doctor Doom should have a metal. If they ever do, they should bring back one. They should bring back um, Marvel eighteen seventy two, which is like the Wild Wild West version of uh, Marvel and the Elseworld story. Um, but if they ever bring that back, they should have Doctor Doom come and he should have a metal mustache, just like twirly. I think that'd be very fun. That's my final thought. Is about an Elseworld story where Doctor Doom has a trolley metal mustache. Hell yeah! Nice. Uh, Anne, final thoughts. Um, no, I think I'm good. She has a smooth brain. No yeah. wrinkles or bumps. <laughs> no wrinkles or lumps. Or lumps. <laughs> smooth. I love you know, when actually, we uh, say TikTok references, and Anne does not get a single one of them because she doesn't watch any of the TikToks we send her. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's bad enough that I'm on Twitter. I don't need to be on something else. <laughs> Evan said, actually. Yeah, I think we were being a little bit too nice. And I think it's because some people don't want to be mean because they think we want to have a good time. I'm not going to have a good time. I think we didn't go hard enough on the criticism of how women were treated in this run. I think it's very fair that we could lay out those grievances if we wanted to. Because I definitely share those grievances. And I think a lot of people online haven't read the, this in a long time. And do not share those grievances because they misremember or they don't really understand what we're trying to say. So, and if you want to take a minute to actually lay those out, you could. Yeah. To be clear, when Carol Danvers got punched to the sky, I yeah. also was like, Pfft. yeah, it's like, we're going to hear about this in rightfully. Just, so just we have Carol Danvers mullet just so like, all together. That was, that was bad. That only, was the hate. Only right Kent there. Walker could do it right. <laughs> Oh, the moment she looked like Blanca from Street Fighter 2, I lost my mind. (laughs) It's no, I mean, I feel like there's nothing on it that I can say that I haven't already said where it's like I it's it's disheartening to see something that's like it's treated as like the end of the Marvel Universe. Like this is everything we built up, everything we have left. It's like, here's what we have left to say about it. And at the end of the day, 
Reed Richards has something to say about it. Tony Stark has something to say about it. Captain America has something to say with about it. But Black Widow has nothing. Sue doesn't really have anything. Captain Marvel's out of it. Um, Spider-Woman's out of it. All the, the best women at Marvel who are the mutants are completely non-existent in this book. It's... <laughs> It's weird. It's it. It feels weird to me, and it never doesn't feel weird. I there's the moment where those those three issues at the very beginning of the Avengers run with Captain Universe, Smasher, and Hyperion, where it's like setting up very specifically these three characters. Like, hey, keep an eye. It felt very much like a hey, keep an eye on these three because there's a lot of Avengers here, but I think there's gonna be something very special about these three. And Hyperion got to go out like a goddamn king, got to go out swinging in one of the most emotional moments of the book, in one of the most like holy shit moments of the book. Captain Universe disappears and makes a quick comeback at the end just to to scold Tony and Cap for a little bit for not doing enough, and then she's gone. Um, and then Smasher is completely absent from this book. Apparently, she got married to Sam. They had a kid, and um. She's the the delivery girl of bad news. It's I I I don't know. It just feels like these characters are are plot pieces. They're pawns that get moved around the board. Um completely independent of any thought and it just feels like any of the the complicated emotions and feelings that get put into relationships like the one between Namor and Black Panther or the one between Doctor Doom and literally everyone else, and um, they just—they are just non-existent. The characters are a one note. They're here to do a thing, and they're not any deeper than that. And it's, I think, the biggest flaw of Hickman's Avengers as a whole. And it's the thing that, looking back at it, keeps it well out of my like top Avengers runs of all time because I think it really, really, really drops the ball on it. I 100% agree with Anne, and I wanted to make it very clear that Anne is 100% correct. Doesn't need my validation in this, but I 100% agree with everything she laid out and has been saying this entire run. It's it's a complete, at worst, or at best, I guess, an oversight of how it's Mm -hmm. treated. I'm assuming it's a, in reality, it's just, I grew up reading these certain comics, and these are the characters I love and wanted to tell the stories with. But when you're telling the stories with the end of the Marvel Universe, you're giving everyone in the main Avengers lineup or very important Avengers history stuff to do. And you even go far back as to say, who are the founding members? Let's give them all something to do. And then exclude one of the founding members. And it's the only woman Mm -hmm. on the team. There's something there. I'm not saying, no one's saying Jonathan Hickman's a racist or a sexist or racist (laughs) while we're at it is a sexist, right? But sometimes, especially for men, there's a lot of oversight or uh, a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, sometimes we miss things just because, you know, we all have biases when we're writing. And I think it's important in critiques that we are pointing out these biases, even if it's not a bias in the quality of the story and just in the reality of the situation. So, and I really appreciate you being able to vocalize that for us. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks. Ann. Thank you for your specific perspective on the run. We appreciate you. You too, Alexis, I guess. I have the smooth brain. <laughs> Let's get back to the boys, boys, boys. Come on. <laughs> anyway, back there to the go. men. Men, uh, men, men, boys, boys, boys. Men, 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 boys, men, 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 men,
men, men, men, men, men, men. We're gonna get copyright struck. <laughs> yeah, quit it. That was way longer than the allotted second skate. <laughs> First question, Glenn Machette writes in and says, Dear TVA, does anyone have any funny stories about being late to an appointment? And question two, how early do you show up to the airport for a flight? My mother taught me that any less than two weeks early is too late. <laughs> cool, sorry. All right. Question, let's do question number two first. How early do you got to be to the airport? I like to be, for uh, international, I like to be three hours early. For domestic, mm-hmm. one hour early. I do three and two, respectfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yep. think that's uh, Evan's correct. Yeah. One hour, just just saying one hour stresses me the fuck That's out, and I don't exactly. know. <laughs> you never know what TSA is going to do to you. Yeah. It's just Whoa. ingrained in me, where it's like, if you're at the airport one hour late, <laughs> one hour early, you're too late. It's gone. The flight has already left the gate. Gone. You're, you're fucked. Alex, um, you're not wrong, but it's so funny. It's like, you never know what TSA is going to do to you. Dude, the amount of times I've been victimized, very tamely victimized, let me say, very tamely. Yeah. By TSA, just the mm. lines and just I don't uh <laughs> I just don't like TSA. I I hate TSA because every airport it's different. Where it's I like, do you want the, the laptop in the box or not? Yes, do you want me yes, to leave yeah. it in there or not? And you're yeah. so right. And they get yes. mad at you for not knowing. Yes. 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 Every like, TSA is different. Is this a shoes <laughs> one? And they're like, Of course it's not a shoes one. You're like, bro, bro. Jesus. Do you want me I'm to take my iPad oh. out of my bag or leave it in my bag? Do I have my ID in my hand or not? <laughs> Yo, I hate yeah. cops. TSA. Yeah. Listen, the TSA is part of ACAB. They might be mm-hmm. one of the yeah. one of the main parts. <laughs> they're, they're up there. The only good TSA is the guy from Get Out. That's right. Oh my god, yeah. I'm TS motherfucking I love him. <laughs> I love him so much. He's real good. Um, anyone have any <sighs> funny stories about being late to an appointment? Unfortunately, not. No, all sad stories. Oh, <laughs> like if you would have been on time, it wouldn't have been cancer. And you're like rats. Oh, damn it! <laughs> I was. I, I was. Time. It's so dark. I love it. This was back in 2019. I was late for a therapy appointment because I was coming down the stairs at work, and where I work, I work inside a um a corn milling plant, and they make um, high fructose corn syrup in there. And I'm coming down the stairs. And at the bottom of the stairs was a little itty bitty tree frog. Ooh. And I, I paused for a second because I'm like, one, how? Two, why? Three, where did you come from? Four, what am I going to do about this? And because I'm the per- type of person I am, and I realized they're like, there's there's glue traps in here. I walked back Ooh. upstairs. I got a Tupperware container. And people were like, where are you back for? I'm like, frog, and, frog on the stairway. And they're like, what? I'm like, frog on the stairway. <laughs> I just went back down, put the frog in the stupid Tupperware container, took it out to my car, went to the therapy appointment, realized it's the middle of November, it's freezing. If I leave the frog in here, it's going to die. Took the frog in with me to the therapy appointment, went up to my therapist and said, I'm not crazy, but this frog has to sit with us through this session. <laughs> therapy frog. Therapy, therapy frog. frog. <laughs> and, it's her um, emotional support frog. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the frog sat with us. Through the entire therapy session. That's awesome. She's like, come here, slimy Jim. Come here, slimy Jim. (laughs) Slimy Jim. Good old slimy Jim. Anne does Mm -hmm. love to catch small critters. That's all I'm going to say. She do. The amount of small critters, Anne's like, look what I done caught. And there's like a boa constrictor around her neck. Put it back. (laughs) Don't touch that. 
I've I've held a um an anaconda before. It's it's crazy. Don't don't Damn. look at me like that. It's, it's normal thing to say. It's a normal experience for someone to have. Um, me too. Every time I go pee. Anyway, I caught a praying mantis today. <sighs> Who wants to read question two? Yeah, I'll read it. Mm-hmm. Thanks, boys, 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 men. Man. No one gave me the question, so I can't read it. That was a joke. <laughs> 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 what the hell's going on? You guys are staring at me. How long is that? He's not in the notes. No. no I'm fully stupid. I'm fully stupid. I was like, Evan, I caught on to that, and those two did not. Why have we not added Evan to the notes? Why, have, why is Evan not in the notes? Because he's not. He doesn't have an iPhone. Oh, oh I have an iPad. Oh. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Okay, well, I'll read the second question. Yeah. It comes from Owen. Hello, Comics Collective and special guest Evan Von Doom. I recently saw that you guys were going to be covering the Times Runs Out storyline of Jonathan Hickman's Marvel Saga for your next episode. Fun fact, this was actually the era of Marvel when I just first decided to start reading comics as the first comic I ever read at age 10. God, you're making me feel old. Was Secret Wars number one by Hickman and Hassan Rimmick. I mean, let's just say I was very confused. <laughs> that Sandy! You Sandy! I was in college. I was in college when this was happening. <laughs> Oh, hey, me no. and Owen are the oh, same. Oh, Sandy. Sandy. <laughs> I Sorry. Feel so old. Um, and I remember seeing the back issues of Avengers, new Avengers on the shelves that were the final parts of the Time Runs Out story. So my question is, what was it like for you guys getting to experience this particular part of Marvel playing out in real time as opposed to someone like me who learned slash experienced the story in retrospect? Much love, Owen. Well, I feel Owen, like you guys kind of already said. I yeah, feel like Owen, we'll throw up. Thanks Someone for that. Someone these questions. Clocked sure. you on your age there. Uh, yeah, Owen, thanks for giving me that senior discount there halfway through that question. <laughs> no longer my favorite listener of the podcast. Holy cats. That means that they're at least under 20. They're 18 then. This yeah. book came out in 2015. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Hiss. Hiss. I feel 100 years old. 10 years old when Secret Wars 1 came out. <laughs> That's nuts. That's a little bit like a friend. I was out with a friend yesterday and he was like, do you guys remember when they did the, the extra crunchy fries at Burger King? And we were all like, no, he's like, no, you remember like, like 99, they did like crunchy burger fries. And I was like, my brother in Christ, I was two years old. I don't remember. <laughs> and I just saw him like, <gasps> shit. That's I like, in, um, I was in oh, high school. <laughs> shit. And I think you were here for this. Um, we were hanging out in discord with some people and one person was just like, oh, yeah, I remember uh, uh, in high school, blah, 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 watching Girls meet, Meets World. And someone's like, don't you mean Boy Meets World? And he was like, no. And everyone's just like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, that came I out in those. 2017. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> like, what the? <laughs> yeah, the Boy Meets World was her dad. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Look, I haven't talked a lot about like my experience reading this. I remember I was following the Avengers and New Avengers books very loosely at the time because I was still very much a DC girl when these were coming out. So I'm like, I'm following these comics monthly. The Marvel stuff I'll catch up to eventually because I was working at the library. And here's the fun thing about working at the library at this point is Marvel was sending out their their trades in these like weird like semi hardcovers, but they're like really thin. And every single one of those had a digital copy in it. The library was not claiming those digital copies at the time. So since I worked there, I would take all the Marvel books I could find and I'd be like, no one else is using this. 
Yeet. Um, FBI, I'm joking. I would never. Um, <laughs> and so I, I was just reading them that way. Um, Secret Wars, I did follow as it was coming out, though. So if that tells you anything, it tells you that the last trade for Times Runs Out came out, I think, right before Secret Wars number one came out. Marvel, like, has always really kind of nailed, like, pushing out those trades, like, as soon as the series is over. It's like, the series will be over, and then, like, less than a month later, it'll be like, okay, here's the trade. Here it is. Pick it up. Read it. I'm like, okay, I'll just do that then. So I was a little behind in Marvel, but not as far behind as you might think. And, yes, the hype for Secret Wars was real. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Lex, you want to hit question number three? Unless anyone else have an answer to that? No. I thought we were answered. Yeah. Thank you for the question, Owen. Yeah, thanks, yeah, Owen. Thanks, Owen. Uh, quick question for the show. Hi, all. Long-time listener, but rarely send questions. Highlight up my week and have been loving the interviews recently. On topic, do you think that do you think this big Hickman saga is a good place to start Marvel Comics? As I haven't really read much Marvel and not sure about starting in the early to mid-2000s. And off topic, which are your dream guests for interviews? Not counting guests you've already had, but will be nice to hear if you've already had a dream guest. Have a nice week and looking forward to the episode. Dave. Thanks, Dave. Oh, yeah, we got dream mm. guests. Oh, we got uh, dream oh, guests. We got Evan Von Doom. Like, yeah, I'm already <laughs> here, baby. I really, really want to talk to Al Ewing, and I really, really want to talk to Dan Warren Johnson. Those are my top two. <sighs> yeah. 100%. I also, listen, I also want that real bad. There's... Yeah. I have dream interviews for this podcast and there's the ones that I feel like are doable and the ones that I feel like are impossible and the ones that are impossible, the ones that I'm like really like, like who hungry for Neil Gaiman is the big one. I I sent him an email. I sent him an email. Really? If I ever got to talk to Neil Gaiman, I'm pretty sure I would just die. I I would just like shrivel up and be like, (laughs) we are not in the same, like, social hierarchy i feel like i need to like bow down i can't i can't that's that's the one bit of like celebrity worship i'm at like i'm like oh my god neil gaiman um but the other one is and it's one that like i feel like might be edging closer to like the possible because i'm slowly trying to work on it is i really really want to talk to nicole mains about her dreamer book before that happens so those yeah those are my two big ones at the moment I bet we can get in touch with her through some people that we are in touch with. I think so. Um, we've got one that Anne has in the works right now. That's one of my dream ones that hopefully happens soon. So mm-hmm. I won't say it on the air until it happens. But I've been working real hard to get Grant Morrison on this show. Like That is obviously a big goal of this show. If any of you are subscribers to Xanadoom... <laughs> Like, I'm bugging Grant in there all the time. Like, hey, if you ever want to come on my podcast, come on my podcast. <laughs> like, major goal there. Half the reason I made this. Grant um, will be like, you remember that little bratty Alexis you have on there? I have no interest. Yeah, Grant Morrison has specific <laughs> feelings about Alexis Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, no, something that was kind of cool. We made a people we want to get on the show list um, like a year ago. And that list was Connor Goldsmith from Cerebro, which check. Tom King, check. Patrick Willems, check, later this month. Uh, Ram V, check. Scott Snyder, check. And uh, Anne wrote God, and then also went back a month later, forgetting she had written it down, and then commented on her own comment, guys, Anne is on this podcast literally every week, rolls eyes. (laughs) So, (laughs) 
<laughs> I would. I would I, do that. I'm so I, stupid. <laughs> I watched that in real time. Um, I've sent messages to Scotty Young like five times. He's always so busy. He's so nice, but so busy. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Gail Simone. I, I, I wanna... really want yes. Gail. I like Gail's Twitter. <laughs> um, like we've talked to a lot of we had my dream. People. Jeff Smith we had her. Whoop him too. Jeff, <laughs> I mm, I'm eating good. Jeff and Tilly, mm, my two faves, mm-hmm. Tilly Walden and Jeff Smith. Yo, True. Tilly Walden interview was so good. Uh, I, 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 listen, I cried I afterwards. Like, a lot. I love that I one cried. so much. <laughs> Y'all are my so fi- cute on that one. Everyone's cute on that one. Uh, <laughs> so, everyone's so excited to talk about it. This is great. So was, that was the that was honestly the most stressful interview I think I've ever done because yeah. I mm-hmm. had like no time that day and I had to like binge Clementine in like half an hour. And I'm like, oh my God. I was so frazzled when that interview started that the fact that it came out well at all is just a miracle. <laughs> my favorite thing about that interview, I got to meet Tilly in person like two weeks later. And I had a, a mask on. This is in the midst of COVID times. And I, she signed my book. I was like, oh, could you sign it to Dallas? She's like, oh, absolutely. I was like, thank you, by the way, for coming on my podcast. And she just puts on and she goes, you're that Dallas? And I was like, <laughs> yes. And she just gets this huge smile. And she's like, can I give you a hug? And I was like, yes. And she like came up and she like gave me this big hug. And everyone in line looked at me like I was a celebrity. And <laughs> we like talked for like 10 minutes holding up the line. But it made me feel... It was the first time I realized, like, these people, we're good enough at this. Like, these people like being on here as much as we like having them on here. You know, like, it means a lot to me that we have repeat guests Mm -hmm. and that they clearly enjoyed their time with us. Like, I love doing these interviews. My favorite interview that we've also done was Chip. Chip (sighs) Ludarski was very fun. That guy was so fun. Loved that one. That was a blast. It was hard watching my sister become best friends with Chip Zdarsky before my eyes and realize it wasn't me. Like, I wasn't him. When Alexis told Chip Zdarsky she didn't care that he wrote Batman, he she became he his best in friend. His eyes. Like, like, he came into that podcast a little bit like, I just All wanted right. to talk about the one that we read. Yeah. Well, and like, he totally came in expecting yeah. it to be like a bait and switch. Like, we're like, yeah. we want to talk about public domain. Anyway, tell us about Batman. <laughs> when Alexis was like, was like we don't Batman. care about Batman. He was like, skippity dee, skippity doo. I don't care either. It really was. And his eyes were like, I don't give a damn either. This He's is like, just damn my life. He's like, fuck that guy. But he pays my bills. Yeah. Oh, I just, yeah. Love Chip. Favorite interview. I, I love doing the interview. So people we haven't had on yet. That are like doable. Do we have any that we really want on the show? Alyssa Wong. Oh, that'd be Alyssa really Wong fun. Alyssa Wong would be fun. Yeah. Um, I would it'd like be cool Erica to Henderson, do um, but I don't know how Kelly Sue DeConnick at some point. She's coming on this month, Lex. <gasps> <laughs> I literally like I've been going back and forth with <gasps> Erica Henderson. She's and you know, now month. that you guys have buried the hatchet, talking to Philip Kennedy Johnson would be pretty cool. That would be cool. Yeah. yeah. Dear listeners of the show, I apologize to Philip Kennedy Johnson for being mean about his book online. And so he and I are cool. Woohoo! We did it. People can change. <laughs> We're all in this together. Yeah. Uh, Ryan North. Oh, 
What? I was going to say a little fun fact about that song. Um, in a D&D campaign that, <laughs> that Dallas <laughs> ran for us, for uh, me and some other people, we beat his first big bad by doing a song and singing that song to him. So mm-hmm. it yeah. worked. It was it really worked. cool. And Dallas cried, I think, for three days. So Three whole days. Um, yeah. Ryan North is a really big one for me that I want on this. Mm-hmm. He, also very nice, he told me, get back to him in January and he can come on. Also, I want Cy Spurrier nice. back when I can talk to Cy Spurrier because that made me the Joker recording that uh, episode. Also, we talk about... We, there's been a lot of interviews with like writers and uh, artists. Not a lot of like colorists and letterers. I would like to see that change a little bit. Mm-hmm. Chris O'Hallorhan is a big one I would love to see on the show. He's a phenomenal... You've Everyone has seen his colors and has no idea. But he's touched like every book. Immortal Hulk was like a lot of him. So, mm-hmm. um, you know that that's big splash page of Hulk punching the world in Immortal Hulk. Mm-hmm. That's him. And it just doesn't oh, wow. pop without his colors. So mm-hmm. colorists and letterers are like two unsung heroes of the industry. I keep saying that. Um, and I would love to see more of them in interviews on the show for sure. I think that's an awesome point. That's yeah, that would be incredible. I really want to talk to like um, Adriana Lucas and um, Matthias Lopes because they are two of my favorite colors of all time. Um, they did two of my favorite books from DC in the last um, three years so I would love to figure out what their process is because I yeah. honestly know very little about the process so I tried to be fun to get in touch with Jordi Belair and that didn't go anywhere oh, but that would be so good too. I want to talk to yeah. her so oh bad also I want um, Hassan I can't pronounce his last name but uh, Otsman Ilhau I think he does oh, all yeah. the letters for like all the indie books yeah. and he mm-hmm. runs the YouTube channel Strip Panel Naked which is one of my favorite YouTube channels oh really channels. yeah Oh, wow. Yeah, Professional Letterer does that YouTube channel, and it's incredible. Yeah. He's also a phenomenal letterer. And another shout-out to another like popular letterer that no one knows, Clayton Cowles. Fantastic. He's so good. He's Tom King's favorite guy to work with. Like We all know him in spirits, but Tom King has never done a project that Clayton Coles has not lettered. I thought there was another... I'd fact-check this. You're fact-checking it? No disrespect. (laughs) No. I thought there was someone else working on... Well, on on Batman, he's had a few. He had Todd Klein do the first three issues. Oh, Human Target was Clayton Cowles, but I thought yeah. someone else did. Oh, you Gotham know what? Sorry, I'm one. thinking of um, sorry, I'm thinking of Dan Warren Johnson. I think the letter um, he works with a lot. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm pretty sure I'm right on this one, but uh, I think you're right. I'm Todd Klein did do letters for the first three Batman issues because Todd mm-hmm. Klein is the realest letterer of them all. Also, in your letterer thing, Evan, yeah. when you started with Todd Klein, I was like, Evan knows what he's talking. Todd about. Klein. If you like, got Todd Klein on the show, that'd be insane. No I would way. throw up. I would throw up if I had Todd Klein on this podcast. He is literally. People, go look up Todd Klein and figure out what he did. The GOAT. The best letterer in the business. And he's, he's Sandman, phenomenal. Right? He did Sandman, yeah, he right? Did Sandman. Yeah, So, you know, this is common practice now. You know, the our letters and the word balloons are going to be different for every character to help you know who's talking. Todd mm-hmm. Klein invented that for Sandman. <laughs> Just by the way, like the whole, like all of the dream, all of the uh, endless and their balloons of how they speak. Yeah. That was the first time that happened. And that was Todd Klein just being a genius. And everyone has I since ripped no it off. That is awesome. And he still does all, he does hand lettering. That's why he doesn't work with Tom King anymore. Uh, oh. Tom told us this in an interview that Tom does too many revisions after letters come back. And Todd oh, Klein was like, well. I, I do these by hand. I, we're not doing that game. Sorry. I love yeah. it. All right, so real quick, I was thinking of this is really I was just so wrong. I was thinking of Russ Wu Tan 
Uh, and he works like very specifically with like Robert Kirkman. Like he does Firepower, Void Rivals, mm-hmm. Invincible. Uh, and he also did um for Rick Remender, he did uh, A Registers of Vengeance. So, Rick, so here's a pro tip. If yo, you want to know yo, the listeners, best. You guys are getting a lot of fucking letterers right now. And you better be writing these down. Yeah, Go you ahead, better. If you want just pro tips on like who the best talents in the world are, look at Rick Remender's books, Letterer, Colorer, Artist. Look at Robert Kirkman's books, Letterer, Colorer, Artist, and Tom King's books. Those are three people that consistently prioritize working with the best in the business and then follow all the people that work with them to their other projects. And that's a great way to create a creator web of people you care about. <laughs> and you don't have to like Mark Millar's stories, but he also cool. picks very, very good people to work with. Yeah, don't Everyone read the he book. Works with, you don't have to read the book. It's okay. <laughs> don't read the book. But... Just look at who the artist was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God. Be- there is one comics. final interview comics. that like has been a big one for me that I know can happen. I just have to reach out because he has told me specifically, just reach out and it'll happen. Yeah, but Shtepon? It's Shtepon um, Sage. Yeah, how yeah. have we not talked to Shtepon yet? I, I been, like, He told me that and then I was in beef. like a, I was in a slump for a few months and I'm just like, I don't have the, the mental energy for this at the moment. So I didn't reach out. But now that I'm like back, I think it's going to, I'm going to reach out. I'll just soon. send the DMs and be like, I'm here on behalf of Anne Banana Man. Hello. <laughs> she is to too podcast. stunned to speak. So <laughs> I will yes, reach out to speak. I know you've become one of her reply guys, but she still is too scared to DM you for some reason. Also, I'd love to talk to your beautiful wife as well. Thank you. <laughs> I'd also really like you guys to talk to uh, Stan Sakai because I can't. I think I would freak out. I think I would just die on the spot. I'm so, so jealous cool. that Brad and Lisa have like yeah. a rapport with him. Yeah, it's insane. They have like a they have a real relationship with him, and I'm, I'm yeah. so jealous. <sighs> anyway. So to get into comics, um, I would definitely yeah. say <laughs> that's your first question. Uh, I think this is a good starting point. It's for... a great starting point. I don't think it's the best, but I do think it's a good one. I would 100% always recommend X-Men as like a starting point into Marvel. I think it's just the most drama-filled and fun. And there's so many different eras you can start in. And they all feel right. Claremont era, um, Messiah era, Krakoa era. A lot of jumping out points. I would even put, throw in the Bendis era. Which New I don't X-Men. know if we call it the Bendis era, but I would I would throw in the Bendis era if it's like your first comic for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think Avengers is a, a very good place to start. I would even push back and say start with Fantastic Four. I think it's really good way yes. of like leaning into Avengers, and it's mm-hmm. shorter. And honestly, I just think it's better than his Avengers run. Maybe New <laughs> Avengers is better, but. I don't know. Fantastic Four is fantastic. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just did a little pun there. I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think this is a bad place to start. And honestly, my advice is always I've I've like definitely changed this over the years. Like I used to have like here's the best places to start. You need to start here. I've just kind of remembered the way that I started, and one of my first Marvel comics I ever read was in the Infinity Gauntlet, and I had no idea who half those people were. It was the first time I'd ever heard of like lords chaos and order and there's the um i can't even remember his name now he died in this book the guy with the three faces why am i blanking oh, on this no not eternity he's um face um the three. living tribunal three face yeah three face yeah three face oh, yeah, there we go perfect um no that's the guy that died in morrison's x-men um <laughs> <laughs> that was Maybe a real little good. goose honk laugh <laughs> that escaped me <laughs> that was, 
the dumbest character ever. But the Living Tribunal was in it. And I'm like, I have no idea who these guys are, but it's crazy. And it's a book that I wanted to read. And since I had that like want to read it, even though I didn't understand half the things that were going on, I was just there for the experience. And so like I say, starting comics, follow your heart. Whatever speaks to you the most is probably what you're going to click with the most. So I agree. if this is speaking to you, go for it. Uncanny X-Force as well. Yeah, start there. Start with that one. Yeah, but like like I was saying, there's no bad way. People always like get overhyped about like, ah, the comics are too confusing. Where to start? Blah blah blah. Start wherever you want. Like, mm-hmm. and started in, with Infinity Gauntlet for DC. I feel like I just started with um, like the. I I probably just picked something up at the library. I probably picked up like just go to your library, look at what's there, and say, oh, I've heard this character. I'm interested in them, and this cover looks good. Judge a book by its cover and pick it up. I think my first like Justice League story was just the middle of McDuffie's run, which is the middle of a larger run in the mid two thousands. And it just threw me in. There's a bunch of characters I never saw. And I was like, all right, I guess I like hot girl now. And I guess she sleeps with Roy Harper. So that's the thing. So, you know, just give it a try. And when you get confused, you know, keep going and Wikipedia, you have Google now, which is insane. Don't watch other people talk about comics, but just look up, you know, what I miss out on that. Okay. I'll read that later or I won't. Mm-hmm. Dallas, Dallas, did you hear that? Evan said it's okay to go to Wikipedia. You I'm lost your privileges. <laughs> yeah. It's Hold not on. a Gone. universal rule. It's an Hold and on. rule. It's an and rule. Just First you. All, snitches. I right? swear. What the hell's going on? <laughs> I'm, I swear. Yeah, sorry. Um, um, everyone listening, there's there's deeper lore here that um, you need to understand. And ruins all the fun Wikipedia to find out. on the Wikipedia. <laughs> Yeah, I every time we're like, myself. we're like, Anne, read this thing. She's like, okay. And then she gets bored halfway through and reads the rest of it on Wikipedia. And then it's like, <laughs> I didn't really read like how that ended on the Wikipedia article. And then <laughs> don't gets read. me all wound up. <laughs> I've been wound mm-hmm. up for three days. <laughs> I have been wound. Had a wound. Tight, tight little ass cheeks for three days. Upset at you. About... I did not read the synopsis on Wikipedia. If you I do Googled that for any of those fairy books, I will hunt you down. <laughs> yeah, please don't spoil any of those. Please don't, don't spoil, spoil any of those. those. I, I wasn't going They're to. They're so beautiful. Please don't. It's really nice to let that like unfold how it's supposed to. Okay. Um, I saw a really great copy of the Mistborn trilogy at um, the bookstore the other day. I might go back and get it. They're it beautiful. Really uh, I like those books. I don't think those books are perfect, but they are really good. Oh, yeah. Um, the pacing's weird sometimes. That is a critique of all Brandon Sanderson books. Mm-hmm. Like I love yeah, Brandon Sanderson, but like there is always a boring 200 pages. And like, that is crazy. But the other 800 are always good. So what are you going to do? Um, before we move on to the next question, I was flipping through my book. I just want to shout out Kev Walker one more time. I know I already said yeah. it, but like Kev Walker is incredible. The thick lion work, the cartooning, every character looks like themselves, but iconic as well. If you are currently keeping up with comic books, Kev Walker is doing artwork on Guardians of the Galaxy. So if you've really liked the Old West Guardians of the Galaxy run right now, that artist is worth following elsewhere. And I was really happy to see that his work was here because when I read this the first time, I didn't know comic book creators well enough to care who was doing what, unless it was Humberto Ramos, who I had learned that I like. But like literally Dan Slott and Humberto Ramos were the two names that I was like, I like those guys. I'll follow them anywhere. Ooh, I love Humberto Ramos. He's so good. 
And then Chris Bacalo pretty quickly as well. I was like, that guy also rules. Yeah. But like, can, what can I say? I like, listen, not everybody agrees with the writers I like, and I can give them that, but nobody can question my artist taste. Bow. Um, did, did I, yeah, I think, show you that? Oh, sorry. No, no, no. You go. I was going to say, did I ever show you the copy I have of Death, The High Cost of Living, number one, signed by Chris Bacalo? That's so cool. That's so cool. He is so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just think Kev Walker is incredibly talented. I want to see him more often in things. So, yeah, a little shout out one more time. I have oh, yeah. one. Oh, nope. We have oh, two more questions. Ed, that's a long one. I'm just going to throw it out there. Questions long, Ed. This isn't even you next. But hello again, <laughs> Collective. This is it. The all is lost moment of the Hickman Avengers epic. Looking back, I don't think it's my favorite part of the story, but it's pretty easily the most dramatic as both teams collide and everyone's emotions are running high. My question is simple. Do you think all of this was earned? The main Avengers going full world police and the new Avengers imploding are obviously built up to in the text. But did it work for you on a characterization level? Also, I've noticed that some of the people who write in signpost what country they're from. So hello from Johannesburg, South Africa. Um, and then there are some words in Afrikaans that I, I don't know how to read it, but thank you, Kurt, for writing in from South Africa. That is pretty cool that you're listening to us from South Africa. That's awesome. Um, what do we think? Do we think it was earned? What happened in this run? I feel like it made sense. Hmm. I understand why everyone was grouchy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because I think it, the difference between it makes sense and it was earned are two different things. Like I said earlier, I think I would have liked to have seen more of like what the Avengers were thinking coming into this. Other than just, hey, we're following Cap. Or, hey, we don't like it when mom and dad fight. Um, I think it, it, it could have been handled a little better. But it's enough for the story to make sense. Yeah. I definitely would say the new Avengers side of it is 100% earned. I would say mm-hmm. the venture side of it is definitely shaky in, and it's very specifically the last section that's shaky or yeah. where it should have been brought all together. Um, so mixed bag, but, and the characterizations, like we've been saying the whole episode, definitely probably the shakiest aspect of it that could have a hundred percent saved the entire thing for me, which again, I think that it's a great run still, but like small things. You know, a character I just, realized it nailed because i forgot about this moment but it's the perfect moment it's when they realize all the alien races are coming to destroy earth and rocket raccoon's like well that's that's insane they got you know who stays around and sinks with the ship and then idiots and it just it cuts to him calling (laughs) all the avengers that's who goes down with the ship idiots also i just remembered lexi did you know or realize that tony stark was any different in the last section of this book I feel like it clicked when they were at the diner a little bit that he was okay. like off his rocker. But I was like, why'd they put this man in a glass box? I don't understand. And then so when he was going off, well, and then when he was going off to um, Natasha and Jess, I was like, you just being a dick to be a dick. <laughs> like yes. you cool it, you cool it in your box in there. You be quiet. So the reason they, that happens is there's an event before this called Axis where a bunch, all the heroes and all the villains get like their um, moral compasses switched around. It's a bad event, but it led to two cool 
arcs for characters. Sabretooth becomes a hero for a while, which was pretty cool to me. Um, and it gets actually maybe I don't. Does all new happen? Does all new start before this? Now I think about it. No, all new is after an... Secret Wars. Oh, it's just the aftermath of uh, Death of Wolverine is before this, because Sabretooth mm-hmm. like is running around as a hero for a while until Secret Wars, I think, and then he reboots back to a villain. Yeah, uh, I, I think he stays for a while after because an all new Wolverine. Really? He's still doing his his not. Even, I'm not sure if he's like a back to villain all the way, but I know he's not like totally evil huh okay well i love the save so at the end of the event only like four people keep their moral compasses switch it's havoc iron man and Sabretooth, and someone else i can't remember um so that's why uh, tony stark is a bad guy now is because he's a bad guy now and he gets a little run by tom taylor which is one of tom taylor's best works to be honest and old man captain america is because in Mm. his run the super soldier serum ran out, and so he aged up to how old he's supposed to be. Yeah, someone sucked it out of him. I was looking so crusty. Yeah. It's like, it's the hate. And while we're at it, uh, me crusty. Hulk becomes Doc Green, which is just a smart version of Bruce Banner Hulk. And it's slowly supposed to be like, oh, he's turning to Maestro, which is like the evil version of Hulk. And then um, he doesn't. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. And I Thor's unworthy, read... but we covered that. Yeah. I need to read... Uh, Peter David's Hulk run, but that's like six omnibuses, and I'm mm. never going to do wow. it. Yeah. Reed so. Remender's uh, Captain America instead. Someday. Yeah. I got to I gotta finish Claremont's X-Men before I really commit to anything else. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Anyone have any final thoughts on that question? No. Okay, awesome. Thanks for writing in, Kurt. Final question from Ed. We're going to speed run this. Hope y'all are doing well. My questions for this week are one. This one's more for Dallas since we're the same age. When reading mm. Time Runs Out... When it was released and seeing the conclusion, do you think it was leading to a Marvel reboot? Did you think it was leading to a Marvel reboot? Personally, I didn't. Uh, I didn't really know what to think. I was too stupid to know really what a reboot was. I was fully just caught in the waves of comics at this point. Mm -hmm. Like everything that happened in comics was really happening and there was no larger plan Mm -hmm. in my brain. Like I was like, oh shit, comics are over right now. And then also (laughs) I went to go be a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in a... at Secret Wars number seven. So I uh, I didn't get to know how this ended until 2017. That's insane. So the Marvel that Universe is... did end for me for two years. <laughs> That's, That's funny. a hell of a cliffhanger. It was. It was. <laughs> um, I liked the ending when I came back to it. Glad they stuck it. <laughs> two, this whole shebang started when a person from a different universe visited another. What's your favorite universe crossing stories? Mine personally is Morlun and his amazing friends. Q annoyed Zingy. Best multiverse story. Um, Forever Evil. Dallas and oh. I are reading one right now. Oh, that's a great, great call. Forever Evil rules. Mm-hmm. That's Jeff Johns' best book, hands down, Forever Evil. Alexis, uh, what were you saying? Which one? Uh, You and I are reading one right now, but also there's another one that you don't know exists, Dallas, that I'm waiting for you to pay attention to. And I'm going to explain it to you later, but it has to do with those fairy books that we like and that writer. I'm not reading Crescent City. I'm not doing it. All of them are combined. All <laughs> I know. Three I don't. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm just reading Wait. fairy smut. I'm not reading about the fairy smut multiverse. I'm not doing it. Wait, is the Starlight a multiverse book? What? Stormlight? Uh, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guess Girl, what? Buckle up. Guess what had a reference to Scadriel at the end of Oathbringer? That's the planet from Mistborn. 
Yeah, there was a little something's happening over on Scadriel. All of his books, all of his books are in one universe called the Cosmere. And by the end of Stormlight, they're all going to be interconnected. And don't get me started on Stamblom. Oh, man. (laughs) That's that's when it gets crazy. Because that's that is for real. Comes in for the Doom Bot (laughs) 10. The Doom Bot. Yeah, so anyway, anyway, tell me more about Earth 1610, Evan, since you're so cool. (laughs) Oh, actually, let's talk about it. (laughs) What's up with the city? Talk about the city. Yeah, talk to me more about the maker and the city from Earth 1610, tough guy. I don't know. I don't want to spoil anything because Anne's supposed to be reading it right now. I'm nine issues into the Ultimates, so I read all of Ultimate Doomsday. When that comes out in an omnibus in like six months, I'll read it all for you, Evan. Hell yeah, thank you. Um, my favorite actually multiverse story isn't from a comic. It's um, a, a book called Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. Uh, I'm reading about... it this month. I got really? it for you. Don't tell me what oh it's god. about. I got it for you. Oh my god! I was going to send you that like next month. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Yo, I literally I just got it to read off because you told me to read it. I'm reading it in like oh, shit. this oh, week so probably. Sorry. All right, I'm not gonna say anything. I hope it holds up. I read this like when it came out, and I was just getting back into reading, and I was like, this is everything to me, and I thought it was so fun. Um, so that one yeah. I have a very fond memory of. So uh, I won't say anything else. I'm so. And I also. It, I'm sorry if I spoiled that for you. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's no okay. Um, I also got, and then there were none for you. Those <gasps> oh are the my two god! Books. Yes, you, I went on a big. Evan has told me to read these books binge, and That's this week crazy. while Addison's out of town, I'm reading both of those books. Oh well, I'll, I'll catch up on Hellboy, and I'll start uh, Dark Tower after I finish Revival. Dallas, my guy. What? I, Guess I what? I just I had, found uh, out. Oh, go ahead. I'm so he sorry. No, I was done. I'm so that sorry. It has to do with Hellboy. It has to do with Hellboy. Yeah, don't worry about me. Just keep talking. Okay, quickly before he comes back. I'm sorry. I want him to hear it. Evan! Oh, Evan, I'm sorry. This Evan's shirt. It's great. It's a killer shirt. <laughs> sorry, Evan. It has to do with Hellboy. You'll like it. Maybe we'll have you on the pod. But um, I just found out that Carson's sister, her husband, is related to the guy who illustrates Hellboy. Mike Mignola? Mike Mignola? Yeah. He also writes it. Yeah. <laughs> Dallas just had up. Dallas is frozen. If you can get me Mike Mignola's email. Right? I will lose my marbles. I got to do more reconnaissance. Because she was Mike just like, Mignola? she was like, yeah, the, the guy that does Hellboy is like my husband's cousin or whatever. And I'm like, what you shut f- up. No. <laughs> I'm like, man, you can't just what tell me f- that. We did I a whole section know. about interviews. And Alexis is like, Alexis, I'm dead serious. Like, if you can get me in touch with Mike Mignola, that would be the best Christmas present in the world. Like, I love Hellboy. Okay. Boy's oh, really oh. good. Dummy. <laughs> shit. Oh, All by right. the way, is what a anything? bomb. <laughs> Just drop it. That's why I had to. Two. That's why I had to put pause right there, Evan. I said, "Oh my god, I remembered this important detail." <laughs> I think about Alexis. Sorry, I did that bit. It wasn't worth it because you were right. It was, it was definitely deserving of being interrupted. 
I think a lot about Alexis's relationship with the comic book industry, where there are people who have read these for like 40 years and are like, someday I'll meet this person at a con and they'll sign my book. And then Alexis is like, like, I sat down with Chip Zdarsky for an hour. And then like, (laughs) Jeff Smith knows me by name. When she didn't follow Jeff Smith back on Twitter. I I felt like a villain. I was cracking up. (laughs) I'm not good at Twitter. You're someone's villain story, Alexis. Oh, Alexis's close personal friend Mike Mignola. Okay, I'll do reconnaissance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> on to the last parts of the question. This is a good time if to mention Al tell- Ewing's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> He's black, so. I knew it. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you could have anyone visit the Marvel Universe, who would you choose? I'd pick Porm the Dolphin from DC Comics. Nothing like good old Porm, right, Anne? Anne loves pornography. Um, I've been to Porm.com. Porm. Porm. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Mignola, put him in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> yeah, I'd Mike like Mignola. to say that tweet was made completely in jest, but I, I did do that like a dumbass. <laughs> And then after I hit search, I'm like, I realized my mistake instantaneously. Don't look for Porm the Dolphin, friends. Don't do it. Um, just know that she's a dolphin. Dolphin Porm. Google <laughs> Dolphin Porm on, on God's I green internet. see Comics Porm. That's our girl right I'm sorry, there. Al Gore. <laughs> sorry, this was not Al- what you intended. <laughs> Okay, so send someone to the Marvel Universe. Just do it. Who are you sending Ooh. for shit eagles? Oh my god, me. Um, Kaladin <laughs> Stormblessed from the Stormlight Archive. Send him. You'd be hang such out a with, villain. Have him hang out with Daredevil. Evans, like, stop talking about your stupid yeah, nerd. Stupid books. nerd crap. <laughs> if it's not stupid Spock, don't send him. <laughs> I was looking at the um the free comic book day. Um, Secret Wars prelude that came out um, the same year this did and like okay it's just Val saying like we're making the lifeboat and now things are going to go to hell this is why things are going to hell it's just an introduction thing I'm like okay that was cool and I flipped the page and it goes on to more previews and I forgot this happened but there was a preview for the Marvel Attack on Titan crossover that they did oh I read yeah I didn't. Oh, really? I com- I completely lost from my memory. It's just the Avengers fighting the Titans, and all of a sudden the Guardian, the literally coming down and hooked down and feeling the Guardians like, oh, the Guardians are here too. This is gonna be so cool. This is this is the comic you need to read. I'm like, that's insane. That was you know, crazy. I have my answer, and it's a real answer this time. The Ninja okay. Turtles. I don't think they've ever crossed over with Marvel, and I don't think so. it seems so easy. That would be good. Yeah, I mean, they're inspired like, by Daredevil. I was gonna say, like, mm-hmm. obvious connection to Daredevil aside, like. Mm-hmm. Have them meet Punisher. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, bummer, dude. And they're like, like, whoa, cool skull. Thanks, creatures. Watch out behind you. Shrider. Oh my god! There's <laughs> <laughs> just these teenage turtles crying. <laughs> this is where my family was killed. Michelangelo <laughs> Raphael. Raphael. <laughs> okay, I have a pitch. I have a pitch. A blade book uh, co-starring. Ooh. Erica Slaughter from Something Is Killing the Children. Oh, that's really good. That'd be dope. That'd be dope. Yeah. Um, also Bloodstone in there too, please. Oh, hell yeah. Sherlock Holmes. Oh, I mean Batman. <laughs> Throw him in there. I think you mean, you mean Zorro. Oh. I mean Zorro and 
the shadow probably who else who else uh, i'm looking around my room for um for things yeah. Dave Batista, throw him in the Marvel Universe while we're at it. He's on my this, screen over here. Listen to this paragraph from Ryan North in his book, How to Invent Everything About Batman. He says, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes is a fake detective who never existed, but who everyone agrees to imagine is the best at solving crimes. <laughs> if you want to reintroduce this character to your civilization, feel free. You can even enhance him for <laughs> from the version you remember by dressing him up like a bat giving him a giant bat's cave to use as his lair, similar bat-themed cars, planes, and orangs, and having the police project his symbol into the sky whenever there's a crime nearby that needs solving. This version of Sherlock Holmes has historically been much more successful with the general public, especially when he's supplied with a, mur- supplied with a murder clown to be his arch nemesis. <laughs> Ryan North is a genius. Murder clown. Ryan North is yeah. my number one guy. <laughs> okay, anyone else have anyone they're saying to the Marvel Universe? Uh, rapid fire. Matt Berry. So true. Um, like... Saul Goodman. Hmm? Yeah, go on. Saul Goodman versus Saul She-Hulk. Sure. Oh my god, hell yeah. Saul Goodman versus She-Hulk. Come on, forget about it. Um, Kendall Roy. Roy Soprano. Oh. <laughs> the same answer, okay. <laughs> Lexi. I feel like the Birds of Prey should come over and have the girlies have a fun book for once. Come here, Lexi, you're Let's reading that with me book. this week, right? Yes. Yeah, Birds of Prey drops this week. Lexi's oh, gonna read it. Lexi's gonna have her first poll. Mm, first um, maybe I'll poll. go to the store out in the wild. Martin Scorsese, <laughs> put him in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Put those eyebrows in there. Are you kidding me? Uh, oh my god. Al Pacino's gosh. character from Heat, so he can say he's got a great ass. Yeah. About Spider Man. Yeah. Okay, we've yeah. gone off the rails. Yeah. Four, if you had to pick someone on your side to fight your friends who erased your memories, who would you choose? I'd pick Poison Ivy because her attacks and non-vascular plants in the land plant division. Bro fight. Why are you going full bio nerd on us? Don't do this to me. <laughs> you guys can't talk about nerds. You guys cannot tell someone a nerd no, no, this no. episode. No, it ends, it ends with a pun. With a crime. Quite the moss chops. Get the hell out of here, Ed. Get the hell out of here. I'm not answering that question. Five, is Anne the Illuminati of this podcast due to the fact that she lied about being French and still tries to act like it's not true? Sincerely, Ed. I love I love how we all lie about our, our nationalities here. Evan's not British. I'm not French. Um, I'm not Mormon. Yeah, <laughs> they're not Mormon. <laughs> the, the Taylors are not Mormon. Um, Is Anne the Illuminati? Probably. Yes. I don't know. Never mind. He was just silenced. She just cut. <laughs> he just cut his mic. Actually, ah! <laughs> oh no! Ah! She's like, if you ask that one guy that wrote that article, I might be. Oh my hell! And oh, gonna, have... that's exactly what I was going to say. That I was like, actually, I'm not going to bring that up. And does have an arch nemesis. I was trying that's to go insane. the whole episode without saying anything about it because it does not deserve my. We're attention. in the credits. Yeah. It, we're cutting this. It don't count. We'll, we'll cut it. I was going to bring it up earlier, <laughs> way earlier. We, as a team, will cut this. We, as a group, are going to push equalize sound, add intro, outro, publish on this bad boy. <laughs> okay, that was the the last of it. Thank you for the question, Ed. Um, Let's roll yeah. credits. Roll credits. Okay, right. Roll credits. You got it. You got it. All right. Everyone, if you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our X slash Twitter accounts what? at CMX Collective or our TikTok account 
at the Comics Collective, or you can find each of us at our personal accounts at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Lou Comics. Evan, where can the people find you? You can find me on the Twitter sphere at Evan uh, Reads Comics. You can find me on my podcast, which I co-host with Dallas Taylor. Ooh. It's called What's Next Comic Book Podcast, where every month we go over the monthly solicitations for different comic book publishers, including Marvel, DC, Image, Boom Studios, and TKO sometimes, and also other things sometimes. And that has a Twitter and a uh, TikTok called What's Next Comics, I want to say. Uh, that could be wrong, but look it up. I'm going to be posting on those a lot more because I'm trying to be a better person. And uh, other than that, uh, only thing I can say to you is please go out and watch Shiva Baby. It's one of my favorite movies. And um, there's the director and writer and uh, lead actor of that movie. It's in a movie right now called Bottoms. And if it's in your theaters near you, you should see that. It was very good. And go out and support the boy, Jami Reyes, in uh, Blue Beetle, which is the best DC movie that's been out since... <sighs> The Suicide Squad, maybe. I don't know. Maybe earlier. Probably. I don't know. <clears throat> and go read Deadshot Bulletproof. Hell yeah. And if you enjoyed the show and really want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, but mostly Apple Podcasts, and give us a five-star review, and we will read it off on the show. And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And we'll see y'all next week for Death, the High Cost of Living. Dun, dun, dun. We're back in the Sandman universe. I'm excited. Here we go. It's going to be fun. Okay, yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye forever. Bye. Wait, what? Reboot.